And the Bible mentions that there are four different types four different types of baptism and arguably there may only be uh, three. Uh, you'll notice the first one is the baptism of John the Baptist, whom we affirmed last week and we'll affirm it again today, is a baptism of repentance. We'll also look at Christian baptism, Christian water baptism. It's also referred to as the baptism into Christ. They're really synonymous. And then the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uncontainable, you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. Oh, powerful, untamable, all struck with fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim. You are amazing, God. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher, Rob Kellogg. Today, Pastor Rob begins a four-part series on baptism. He explains to us that there are different baptisms and the Bible defines all of them. John's baptism was an innovation. The nearest contemporary parallels are the self-baptism of a Gentile who converted to Judaism and Christian baptism, which is like John's in a sense that it demonstrates repentance, but it is also much more. It is being baptized in Christ by symbolizing his death and resurrection. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson as he begins in verse 1 of chapter 3 in the Gospel of Matthew. All right, good morning. Let's open our Bibles to Matthew's Gospel. We're going to be looking at uh, chapter 3. We've been spending some time in chapter 3, and I think today we're going to be spending a little more time and... Either today or next week we'll finish chapter 3. And it may seem like a long time to spend in a chapter, but there's a lot of things in this chapter. Remember last week we looked at the, uh, the ministry of John the Baptist, him being the herald of Jesus Christ, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And, and today we look at the, uh, some interesting things here in the chapter, specifically in verses 11 and 12 and uh, 13 through the end of the chapter in verse 17. We look at the idea of baptism and certainly the baptism of Jesus, but also the doctrine of baptism. And while we're here, I want to spend some time on this because there is uh, some confusion with some about baptism. And so as we look at this, we want to make sure that we understand what baptism is and what it isn't and, and the different things that the Bible has to say about baptism. Because doctrine is important. Doctrine meaning the teaching that we read in the Bible. The things that we read in the Bible, doctrine is very important today because doctrine affects the way we live, doesn't it? If, we, if our understanding of something is really off-kilter, then our, our understanding and our application of that is going to be off-kilter as well. well. So it's important for us to understand the doctrine of baptism, what it is, what it isn't. And we looked into this uh, somewhat last week, but I want to review it and spend a little more time on it today. Um, and we'll probably just be looking at mainly verses 11 and 12. We might not even get into the baptism of Jesus. I know your bulletin or the e-bulletin says the baptism of Jesus, but we may only get into just speaking of the doctrine 
of baptism. Uh, Again, it's important for us to understand that. And the Bible mentions that there are four different types, uh, uh, four different types of baptism, and arguably there may only be uh, three. Uh, You'll notice the first one is the baptism of John the Baptist, whom we affirmed last week and will affirm it again today, is a baptism of repentance. We'll also look at Christian baptism, Christian water baptism. It's also referred to as the baptism into Christ. They're really synonymous. And then the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which we will look at as well. And then finally, the baptism of fire. And that's not the one that we want to talk about too much, but it's nonetheless, we, we need to discuss it. That one is not for believers, but the other three are. Now, arguably, uh, The second and third item on our list here, the Christian water baptism or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, may be one and the same. I mean, they're two separate things, but we really kind of combine them. You'll see that in the scripture too, that there seems to be a, a melding of those two together, okay? But we can very clearly see the differences between the two as we get along into the scripture. So let's look at... Chapter uh, 3, beginning in verse 1. I just want to clear up a few things as we... Let's read through the first 10 verses. And we're going to stop here and there along the way. And then we'll get right into the portion that we're going to look at today. Mainly verses 11 and 12. But look at verse 1 again. It says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And you may want to ask yourself the question, and this is a good way to to understand the Bible, is to ask questions of it. Say, what days are you referring to? Well, the Bible gives us the answer. Remember, the Gospels are uh, an event, uh, four different accounts of the life and the ministry of Jesus. They each have their specific vantage points, um, but when you put them all together, and I would encourage you, as you read the Gospels, read the other Gospels as well, and there are really great chronologies um, uh, to put all of these together. Um, you might call it a harmony of the Gospels. You may have heard that phrase. Well, that's exactly what it is. It's putting into an account, in a chronological account, the different events of of the Gospels, of the four Gospel accounts. And, and that has been done, and, it, and it's a really great way to look at things. But in those days, uh, Luke, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 3, he gives us the, what these days are referring to, and he tells us right in verse 1 of chapter 3. It says, Now in the 15th year of uh, the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of Iturea, and the region of Trachonitis, excuse me, and Lysanias, a tetrarch of Abilene, while Annas and Caiaphas were high priests. The word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. John, the son of uh, uh, Zacharias. So, we find what these days are referring to. And I, and I love that the Bible gives us this kind of information because uh, we can look back in secular history and, 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 and fit these things together and assign dates and times. And, and these things are helpful to us. And the Bible is spot on. It's a great history book, but it's not just a history book. It's a, it's a, it's a story of redemption. It's, a, it's God's plan, excuse me. I don't like the word story that much because that, uh, that infuses into us in our mind this idea of fiction. 
Uh, and you got to get that out of your head. Even Sunday school um, people, you know, something to think about is to really consider the word story because uh, kids hear a lot of stories, but make sure they understand that what you're talking about, make sure you identify that this is not just a story. This is real history, right? This is nonfiction. It's important for us to understand that. So notice, in the days, John the Baptist, and he came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And remember, we looked at him being the herald of Jesus Christ. In fact, underline that word preaching, because in the Greek, the word is is very significant. It's a Greek word, kiriso, and it literally means to herald. It's, It's a public crier, and we spent a great deal of time last week talking about that. But see, there's two different words in, 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 the, in the Greek, at least two, kiriso, and then there's evangelizo. And they're very different words. One is proclaiming and being a public crier, and the other one is evangelizo, and it's what we would think it would be, to evangelize, to share the gospel specifically, and that's what these two words mean. But this one here in verse 1, when he came preaching in the wilderness, he was heralding. That's literally what the word means. It's a Greek word called kariso. And, and again, evangelizo, uh, an example of that would be in Romans chapter 10, this other meaning of the word of preaching, which is evangelizo. And we see that in Romans 10 where it says, How then shall we call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, and here he's quoting um, uh, from the Old Testament, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach. Underline, well, you don't have, you're not open to it, but if you had your Bible open to Romans 10, you'd want to underline that word because that's the word evangelizo. It's a very different type of word. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach, what? The gospel of peace. Even the context of it tells you what the word means. It's to evangelize, to share the gospel. Do you follow? But John, when he preached, it was, he was the town crier, and that's exactly what he was. He was the forerunner, the herald of Jesus Christ. So going on to verse 2, and, and his, here's what he said. He says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Matthew quoting from Isaiah 40, verse 3. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Sounds like a pretty interesting character. A coat of, you know, a, of, of camel hair and a leather belt around his waist. Very prophet-like. He probably had his long hair, and he's probably looked like he hadn't showered in days. Don't really know what he looked like, but he ate locusts. They're serving them in, in the service afterwards. Kitchen ministry had to go to the, find a, a bunch of locusts, so you guys are going to have locusts. But they'll be honey too, so it'll be easier going down. But notice, that's, this is, he really brought attention, and this message was very prophet-like because Jesus even said, of, all, of the men born among women, there was no greater prophet than John the Baptist. And what was his message? It was heralding the Messiah, Jesus. 
preparing, if you will, handing off a bride, getting people ready to think about repentance because as they would repent and be baptized in this baptism of repentance, they, he would be preparing them for his cousin Jesus to com- continue the work But notice that then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan, they went out to him and notice and were baptized by him in the Jordan confessing their sins. And and other than verse 1, which mentions John's title, if you will, John the Baptist, this is the first mention of the word baptism in the Bible. Uh, And it literally means to, baptizmo is to be submerged, to be immersed and that's the idea of, of this phrase. And so John was called the Baptist because he performed baptisms. It wasn't his last name. You know, you didn't see on his mailbox out front, John the Baptist. That was his title, the baptizer, because that's what he did. But notice in verse 7, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, what a great way to introduce people or to greet them as they come out to hear what you have to say. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bring fruits worthy of repentance. And do not say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now, notice verse 10, what he says here. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. And and just picture that in your head. Guys especially, you got that axe and you laid it against the root of the tree. You're about to do something. It's imminent that you're going to fell that tree. You're going to take that tree down. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and notice, thrown into the fire. That speaks of judgment, does it not? And see, this is a good message for anyone who thinks that because of some right that they have gone through or because of their lineage or maybe their pedigree, maybe even their schooling, somehow that God has to accept them because of what they have done. And see, this is why John was so hard on the Pharisees and the scribes and those religious leaders. They claimed to know God and yet they misunderstood him. They uh, misinterpreted everything. And they were supposed to be shepherds, guarding and guiding the flock. But instead, they were getting rich off of the flock, consuming the lambs. They were lambs or wolves in sheep's clothing, many of them. And they weren't doing what God wanted them to do. But they thought, because they were the creme de la creme of the religious you know, society in Jerusalem, that somehow, and especially because they were Jewish, that God had to accept them. So in other words, they had diplomatic immunity in their minds. We could do whatever we wanted, Because we're Jews, and after all, we are the the Sanhedrin. We're the Pharisees and the Sadducees, so therefore God has to accept us. Because after all, we work for him. Right? And John had a very stern message for them. You brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And see, even in the Calvary Chapel movement, you know, we have a reputation of teaching the word line upon line, chapter by chapter, book by book. And don't think because you go to a Calvary Chapel that somehow you're right with God. Each one of us has to come to God on our own standing. We have to come to him and repent of our sin and receive him into our life, whether you go to a Calvary Chapel or not. There are many Calvary Chapels with people in them that have not done that. 
They maybe even have gone for years and they're still stubborn and they're still resting in their own works and they're, 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 they're unconverted. I'm not saying that anyone here is that. I hope, hope that hopefully all of you know Jesus. But there are people who come every week in churches all over America, even Calvary chapels, and they will not submit their heart to Christ. They're still holding on to some sin issue and they won't give it up. But see, that doesn't make us immune to repentance and good works. No, we ought to, because now we're accountable, because we are well taught in these churches and Calvaries. It's one of the reasons I came. I was taught. Every time I stepped foot in this building for close to 27 years now, I was getting fed I was being encouraged in my walk with Jesus Christ. In fact, having been under Pastor Jeff for just a few years, you know more than most Christians in America. You've been exposed to and have been taught more than the average person in America. Vast majority of them. Because the word of God is not being taught. So was doctrine important? I think it is. But we can't get to heaven because we go to a church that teaches the word of God. It has to be a personal walk. It has to be a personal decision. It has to be a personal devotion and a personal faith in Christ. You can't ride in on the coattails of anyone. Children, if you've got parents and you're here with them and, and they're walking with the Lord, that doesn't mean you're automatically ushered in. When you, as you get older, you become accountable. You need to come to Christ yourself. There is nothing. Everything is laid, cro- laid bare Excuse me, at the cross. What does it tell us in Romans? There is no partiality with God. There's no respect of persons with him. That means he's not partial to one group over another. Yes, even Calvary chapels. Because the Jews thought they would all go to heaven, especially the religious Jews. And John is saying, you guys are going to go straight to hell unless you repent. And that is the message for all of us today, if we're playing games with the Lord. That's true. But John speaks of this idea of baptism. Notice verse 11. He says, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals, notice, I am not even worthy to carry. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals, to take his sandal off to wash his feet. John would say, I'm not even worthy of that, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Notice that. It's interesting that he includes both of those. And we're going to look at that because there is a difference between John's baptism and Christian baptism. Remember John, as he was living, he was still living in Old Testament times, even though he was living with Jesus. It's called the New Testament because when Christ died on the cross, his testament became effective at his death. Do you follow me? So even while Jesus was alive, it was very Old Testament. It wasn't until he died that the Testament became effective. And that's why we call it the New Testament. But John preached a baptism of repentance. Remember, the forerunner, he's, he's come to lay the ground. He's come to prepare the way for Jesus. And what did it tell us in Mark's uh, gospel? It says, John came preaching, or baptizing, excuse me, in the wilderness and preaching what? A baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. What does Luke chapter 3 tell us? And he went all in the region around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. That's what John did. That was what he came to do. It was very different from when we baptize here. 
And we're going to look at the difference because this doctrine of baptism is good to understand because, again, there can be confusion. So there's the baptism of repentance, which John baptized according to. And even in Acts chapter 19, we see the difference between John's baptism and Christian baptismal, uh, baptism clearly We see this in Paul's third missionary journey to Ephesus. Let me read it to you. This is Acts 19, verses 1 through 6. And it says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Well, into what then were you baptized? Now here the distinction is being drawn, and pay attention to this. Into what, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism, which we know as a baptism of repentance. And then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Jesus Christ. So notice verse 5, it says this. So when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Baptismo. They, they, there was evidently water there. They baptized them. And then the very next verse says, notice, and when Paul had laid hands on them, a separate thing, he baptized them, and then afterwards he laid hands on them. And what does it tell us? The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So there's a difference between John's baptism Christian baptism. Now, Christian baptism and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you, you, can, you can think of them as one. For the, our purposes today, though, I'm going to separate them because they can happen um, at different times. And we'll look at that. But notice, so we looked at the baptism of repentance that John had preached and that he had done. But there is also a Christian water baptism. And this is something that Jesus commanded us to do, and it literally means to, the, the word baptizo literally means to immerse or to submerge. Now, we don't want to get too dogmatic on this. I, I, I personally believe that you can be baptized by just pouring a, a, a pitcher of water over your head. There is, there's nothing magical about the mode in which you do it. Um, but, but, but I believe that, and this is just my own conviction, and, and, and there are many people who differ, and, and it's okay, because this really doesn't matter. Remember when COVID was going full strength, and we had, to, we had a baptism out here, so instead of baptizing everybody in a COVID-filled baptismal pool, or at least we thought, we just poured pitchers of water over the heads of the folks on the back here. Remember when we did that? That's valid. There's nothing wrong with that. But Christian baptism is something that Jesus commanded us to do either at our conversion or subsequent to our conversion. And it's a baptism based on the finished, and this is the difference, the finished redemptive work of Jesus Christ. That is the difference. A baptism of repentance for John. Now there's a Christian baptism where we're baptized into Jesus Christ and we're baptized into his finished work of redemption. That means his death and his resurrection and all that that signifies. That is what we were baptized into. We were baptized into Christ. We call it Christian water baptism, whatever you want to call it. Um, 
In fact, you know this. This was the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. That's a command. That's the end of our lesson for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the Gospel of Matthew. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.